KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. For now, San Diego County restaurants and other businesses can keep indoor operations open for at least two more weeks. The latest data from the state keeps the county in the red reopening tier. But California Health and Human Services Secretary Dr. Mark Golley says San Diego County came very close to having data that would push it into the purple tier. They're hovering between that sort of fine line and we're working closely with them to make sure that the data is right. The purple tier would completely close indoor operations for restaurants, churches, and other sectors. On Tuesday, state officials also updated guidance to allow some theme parks and sports venues to reopen, though such reopening would only happen if our case rates go down enough that we're moved into the state's orange tier. Many public health officials across the country, and including here in San Diego, are using resources like a database produced by John Hopkins University to find out in real time just how well cities and towns are flattening the coronavirus curve. But that data can't tell officials about the future. Now, UC San Diego computer scientists have stepped in to fill in that gap. Ian Moss says they've created a database that pairs COVID statistics with travel data to predict deaths and cases weeks from now. That uh, Governor Newsom from California, uh, he was asking us to make predictions about uh, number of hospital beds that would be new- used uh, throughout different counties so that they can better allocate it. That database has been incorporated into the Center for Disease Control website. It's Wednesday, October 21st. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. Operation Masks for All has an ambitious goal to provide personal protective equipment for California's entire homeless population. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says the team in charge of the initiative is the Muslim Coalition for America. The organization distributed reusable face masks Tuesday at Chula Vista's Harborside Park. The end goal is to give out 40,000 masks across the county. Omar Kadrat is the founder of Muslim Coalition for America and says their task force began in June and is now throughout California. In San Diego County, we're partnered with the Task Force on the Homeless to try our best to provide face masks for the entire unsheltered homeless population of San Diego County. The event in Chula Vista is just the first in a series of distributions throughout San Diego County. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. The San Diego City Council has officially designated a portion of Kearney Mesa as a pan-Asian cultural and business district. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen has the story. Convoy Street in Kearney Mesa has been the heart of San Diego's Asian American communities for decades. City Council member Chris Kate, who represents the area, says the new designation allows the Convoy District to further brand itself as a hub for business and culture. Which will help support the efforts on the part of many organizations 
and businesses to transform the convoy area into a vibrant cultural center, dining destination, and innovative economic hub. Later this year, the City Council is expected to vote on an update to the Kearney Mesa Community Plan. That update envisions a big increase in population, allowing for nearly six times the number of homes than the neighborhood has right now. Homes for future potential customers of the Convoy District. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. San Diego voters are seeing ads stating that mayoral candidate Todd Gloria supports sex offenders. This baseless claim was sent by conservative radio talk show host Carl DeMaio. One post simply says Todd Gloria supports sex offenders with a picture of Gloria appearing to wear a skin-tight shirt. Gloria says the picture comes from a pride parade a few years ago when it was raining. And so it's a, uh, you know, particularly, I think, intentionally piercing uh, to try and take a moment of some uh, community solidarity uh, and then uh, overlay it onto this patently homophobic and false uh, allegation. Gloria's opponent, Barbara Bree, says she condemns, quote, any information that is inaccurate that goes out to the public. San Diegans will vote this November on Measure B, which would create a commission on police practices. The commission would act as a more robust citizens' oversight board for the police department. KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser has this rundown on what's in the measure. After four years, San Diego activists are finally getting the police review ballot measure they've wanted. Measure B would scrap the existing board, called the Community Review Board on Police Practices, and create an independent commission with subpoena power. Andrea St. Julian, co-chair of San Diegans for Justice, has been pushing the measure. What we have right now is a community review board. And it is a board that really advises the mayor. Uh, it uh, can't do any independent investigation of complaints against police. And so it really lacks the in independence that's needed for, I think, the community at large to feel comfortable about decisions made about police misconduct. If city voters pass Measure B, the city council will appoint members to the Commission on Police Practices. The commission would have its own staff, an independent attorney, and the power to subpoena and conduct investigations into police officer misconduct. It would also review complaints against officers and make recommendations on police officer discipline and police practices. So when there is uh, something that happens here in San Diego that the community is really concerned about, the new commission can actually do a full investigation and come out with its own results so that the community can be satisfied that there's been an independent investigation. There is no organized opposition to Measure B. The San Diego Police Officers Association is neutral on it. Protests across the country for racial justice and against police brutality may have brought additional awareness to the measure, but St. Julian believes it would pass even without those events. Police officers are professionals, just like doctors and lawyers and dentists. And so they deserve to be treated in the same way that other professionals are treated. And that means having independent oversight you know, to decide complaints against you. That's really all this measure is about, treating police officers just like other professionals. 
And people get that immediately and they got it long before uh, the current climate. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. Two local ballot measures could change the way San Diego Unified School District's board members are elected and how they're held accountable. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong explains the arguments for and against measures C and D on the ballot. Right now, elections for San Diego Unified use a hybrid model. During the primary, only voters from a candidate's sub-district can cast ballots. In the November general, the candidates compete in an at-large election, campaigning across all of San Diego Unified's five sub-districts. Supporters of Measure C hope to change that. They say at-large elections give disproportionate power to the city's white majority and thus marginalize the votes of people of color in certain sub-districts. If passed, the measure would make the November general a bi-district election starting in 2022. Sharon Whitehurst-Payne is an incumbent board member running for re-election in sub-district E. In 2016, she took second place in the primary but won in the general. She said she supports Measure C because it would simplify the election process. My main reason for supporting it has to do with simplification. It's so complicated for folks to understand why we had district only and then citywide. But her opponent, Luana Richmond, said Measure C would do more than simplify elections. It would remove financial barriers to campaigning and encourage more community members to run for office. She used the example of campaign mailers to show just how much more it costs to run in an at-large election. In the primary, I was able to get on a couple of them um, for a total of like $1,000. For the general election, just to get on one, they wanted $5,000. Richmond said that ultimately Measure C could help diversify the school board by encouraging more people to run. But outgoing board president John Lee Evans said the current system already promotes diversity while ensuring that candidates represent both the needs of their sub-districts and those of the overall district. Evans, who is voting against Measure C, said a bi-district election could encourage board members from more affluent parts of the district to neglect the needs of schools serving more vulnerable student groups. When I was running, I was accountable to the, the, the voters in the entire district, as opposed to, I'll just take my sub-district and make sure we get the resources we need and, and not pay as much attention to what's going on in the other areas. And I think that's That's been a benefit, and that is a potential detriment if it were to pass. Evans does, however, support Measure D, which would change the San Diego City Charter to give the school board power to remove a board member for misconduct or failing to carry out his or her duties. But he said the measure couldn't be used by a majority of the board to oust the political opponent in the minority. The measure does not allow for uh, an unpopular board member to be removed for some for some uh, small reason. It has to be very major. The measure was proposed by San Diego City Council members Chris Kate and Vivian Moreno. If passed, the city charter would be modified so that school board members convicted of crimes or failing to carry out their duties could be removed with a three-fourths vote by the other board members. But if they felt for whatever reason that a school board member um, at any time is derelict in their duties, there is a process by which they can remove that school board member absent a recall or a resignation, which we know is very costly and or very difficult to get. Both measures C and D need a simple majority of the votes to pass. That was KPBS's Joe Hong. You can find his reporting and all of our election coverage on the KPBS Voter Guide. It has just about everything you'll need to know about filling out your ballot this year. You can find it at kpbs.org slash election.
Coming up on the podcast, the San Diego Asian Film Festival is experimenting with new ways to deliver content to its attendees. And luckily, we have access to Twitch. Twitch is a live streaming service, often used by video game players. And we're just going to live stream a mystery kung fu movie. In fact, we're going to live stream two of them. It's going to be a double feature. That story is next, just after this break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Pack Arts had to cancel its spring showcase earlier this year, but it's launching its annual San Diego Film Festival on Friday with a mix of video on demand, online discussions, outdoor venues, and more. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando previews the film festival with its artistic director, Brian Hu. The coronavirus pandemic forced the San Diego Asian Film Festival to rethink how it would be showcasing films this year. So it's only appropriate that its opening film is all about COVID, says artistic director Brian Hu. It's a miracle that this movie exists. So the film is 76 days. (laughs) Takes place completely in hospitals in Wuhan during the 76 days in which the city was shut down. And how these healthcare providers are really making this up as they go along. And their solutions are incredibly powerful and show the persistence of the human spirit and the drive towards healing. 76 days will be available online, but a pair of movies will be screening at a pop-up drive-in. Yeah, we really wanted to do something in person. and But of course, to do so in a way that was safe and that doesn't promote you know, a frivolous culture of not taking a pandemic seriously. But the drive-in has become the new way that people watch films as in groups. And we, so we just created our own drive-in. Um, we really wanted it on Convoy. Um, this is an area with a lot of Asian businesses that people go to when they're looking for, for food, for shopping, for groceries. And so Zion Market has graciously provided for us their parking lot, their giant parking lot. And so we got an AV team to put together the screen, the projection. That outdoor venue will host an outstanding documentary on Bruce Lee called Be Water. Test X2, take one. Now, Bruce, just look right into the camera lens right here and tell us your name. My last name is Lee, Bruce Lee. The film provides not just an insightful portrait of the Hong Kong superstar, but also a revealing look at what life in America was like for an Asian in the 1960s and 70s. The second drive-in feature is a horror comedy called Get the Hell Out that takes the raucous antics of Taiwan's parliament and just adds zombies. Ah! One of the exciting innovations the festival is making is in regards to its mystery kung fu theater. I mean, I love mystery kung fu theater too. It's for me also the things I love the most about our festival. And that's when we play an unannounced martial art film or kung fu film at in, in, during our festival. Audiences show up, they have no idea what it's going to be. And it becomes a raucous good time. Mystery kung fu theater is always a highlight for me. But this year, it can't be a shared experience in a cinema. So instead, it's tapping into its roots. I don't know if people know, but mystery kung fu theater at our festival was inspired 
by the old Mystery Kung Fu Theater TV, like weekly television series that happened in the United States in the 70s and 80s, where you would just tune in, perhaps maybe like on a Saturday morning or something, and you can catch some random Kung Fu movie. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so and it's going to be free. Uh, it's going to be like tune, like waking up in the morning, getting your cereal and turning on the television. And luckily, we have access to Twitch. Twitch is a live streaming service, often used um, by video game uh, players. And we're just going to live stream a mystery kung fu movie. In fact, we're going to live stream two of them. It's going to be a double feature. So you don't even have to change out of your pajamas to enjoy some old chop sake films. And if old school is not to your taste, the festival is also doing something for younger audiences on Twitch. It's holding an Animal Crossing gathering. I'm no expert on Animal Crossing, but a lot of people on our staff are. And I think it's so cool that they're just creating a virtual film festival experience on Animal Crossing. Like they, they created an avatar for me and they created like a red carpet and what looks to me exactly like the Ultra Star. But wait, that's not all. Who also has a collection of 16 millimeter film prints and he's going to have John Miller project one. And he has agreed to project one of these 16 millimeter films. And we're just gonna put on a camcorder and, and stream this live on Twitch. And, and part of it is reminding us that this is not actually 16 millimeter. Like you're at home watching a live stream. How could, you're, you're not getting that feeling of the, tac the tactile feeling of an analog medium. But isn't that what 2020 is all about? Like we do our classes on Zoom. We do meetings on Zoom. And we, we've all been so cognizant of the medium specificity of analog experiences. And I feel like this is, a, this is a way for us to think about what is digital, what is analog. At the same time, honoring these old prints that, in a, that, are, that do not exist in any kind of digital medium, at least that's not subtitled in English. And so this is gonna be a fun little experiment. Um, it's gonna be on Twitch, it's gonna be free. And we're not gonna announce what film it's gonna be. In fact, I'm gonna hold up two 16 millimeter print canisters. I'm gonna let the audience choose which one they want, like A or B. And, um, and so it has a lot of the spirit of mystery kung fu theater, it, um, but the film is not gonna be a kung fu film. Um, but we're going to you know, chase our celluloid dreams that continue even in the age of digital. But if all this sounds a little too experimental, fear not. There will also be a wonderful selection of films on demand to choose from. Unlike other festivals that have set screening times when films become available, the San Diego Asian Film Festival will have most titles streaming for the entire nine days of its event, with only the live discussions planned for specific times. You can choose from Asian pop, a Philippine melodrama, Hong Kong action, a restored Taiwanese drama, a lost Iranian film, and so much more. So be adventuresome and explore the possibilities. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. For more on the Asian Film Festival, check out Beth's Cinema Junkie blog at kpbs.org. And before you go, KPBS is still hoping to hear from you about your Halloween plans. If you have a moment, please call 619-452-0228 and leave a voice memo with your name, your neighborhood, and then whatever your plans for Halloween are. Again, the number is 619-452-0228. We're looking for your pandemic Halloween plans. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.